I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Sports Social. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Coogan Cassius from IFL TV. Join us on the 13th of August at the Indigo at the O2 for the very first IFL live show featuring Eddie Hearn, Darren Barker, Johnny Fisher and some very special guests. It's a night not to be missed. Get your tickets now at ifltv.com. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears, and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in, and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over-18s only, as it may contain adult content and explicit language. Hello and welcome to Raw, the Fight Within podcast with me, Coogan Cassius. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by... World champion, all round kind of good guy. Two time world champion. Two time world champion. You had to correct me there, didn't you? Yeah. Might have done it on purpose. Joe Cordina, thank you very much for coming on. How are you, mate? Uh, thanks for having me, mate. I'm uh, I'm okay. I just finished training. Um, yeah. I'm I'm good overall. Life alright? Yeah, sweet, mate. Sweet. Same as usual. Just on the on the road and just uh, brushing past everything that's in my way. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, right, let's start off quite easy and then uh, we'll delve into a little bit of Cordina. Um, what were your first like ever memories of boxing? My first one was, I was, um, I must have been, I was really young anyway. Nassim Mohammed was fighting, I can't remember who he was fighting. And I woke up in the middle of the night because my mum and dad used to watch all the fights and it must have been in America, so... Maybe like Kevin Kelly or someone like that. Um, and I went in 
I went into their room and they were watching it. And I remember just jumping in the middle of them and I was watching a fight with them. And so that was my first memory of boxing, Nassim Hamid. Um, and then when I actually went into the boxing gym at 16, I thought I was Nassim Hamid, just put my hands down and just flicking jabs on my feet. That was good. That was a good mover anyway, because I'd done a bit of break dancing and stuff. So I was always good on my feet. So you did what? Break dancing. Was you actually? Yeah, yeah. I, I two minutes up. into this, I had no clue. You yeah. break dance. Two, about two, three years. I was. Was you any good? I was alright, but I was still, I was young, so I was I was still learning. Was you any videos? Nah, but I can still got a few moves. But I ain't as flexible as I was. I can't even touch my toes now. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first ever fight you like attended, like went to? Um. Pro, a pro fight was my cousin's, um, uh, Francisco Budge. He, um, he won Welsh Celtic titles. Um, he actually boxed Chris Eubank Jr. Um, got stopped in the 12th with about 20 seconds to go. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was one of his fights. But then as an amateur, to be honest, I couldn't remember the first boxing event I went to. I remember my first fight and I was quite scary. I was quite nervous even watching my first, uh, watching, going to shows and watching, and even if I was unboxing, I used to get nervous anyway. Well, like, whether you're a fan, obviously you're mm. in the sport at the, at the highest elite level, but was there anyone specifically that got you into boxing? Like, I think it's quite, I don't know if it's obvious to think that some of the boxers kind mm. of, the Welsh boxers, kind of your Calzaghis, etc. Mm. But was there anyone specifically? You mentioned Naz there, but was yeah. there anyone specifically that kind of swayed you into watching boxing as, as, a, a, as an individual? No boxer, dude. No. I, a boxer never. Um, my dad, it was. I was um, growing up. I was always like, from especially where I'm from, is quite a rough area. Like there's not like killings like you you get uh, like everywhere, like in London and. Places like that in Liverpool, Manchester, it's quite a small area, but in these little boroughs, they're quite, it's quite rough. Like, and people are always trying to test you. Um, and I was always small, but a lot of people knew who my old man was. And um, he always says, like, anyone comes, try and, he said, don't ask questions. Bing, 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 he said, and then we'll deal with it after. So I just, growing up, I was always like that, and I was always a, a chopsy little fucker anyway. So um, a mixture of them too. I never, I was never in problems, but it, it could, it could have always gone left if someone tried to, um, sort of not intimidate, yeah, intimidate me or, or try their luck or whatever. But I was the way my man brought me up going on to the again to the point is how I was, how I was growing up, and then when I was playing rugby and football, mainly rugby because the boys are a lot bigger than me. They tried it. I was getting sent off all the time. So in the end, it was a matter of fact that my dad was like, listen, you're getting out, it's getting out of hand now. Um, didn't actually say that to me, but he was like, listen, why don't we go to the boxing gym? So, and he'd done that when the season was off in rugby, so he used that as an excuse. Well, you've got to keep fit some by doing something. So the, I think he wanted me to do that as take maybe take my anger out or whatever, or try and discipline me, but also keep fit with when the rugby season was off. So he was the one that got me into the boxing and 
anything, my mother and my father, anything they asked me to do or wanted to do, I would do it because I wouldn't want to let them down or anything. So like, especially now when I'm fighting, if my mum and dad's there watching me, you'll have to nail me to the floor because there's, there's, no, there's no way I'm going to give in or if it gets tough, it's not, I've got too much of that and my balls are too big to even think uh, uh, them sort of thing. So it was my, mainly my dad, but between them two, um, I think that's why I excelled in, uh, in the boxing. Like growing up, did you, you said about possibly being a little bit volatile, should we say, but do you remember any kind of altercation you got into as a kid? Anything that sticks out? Um, a couple, but there wasn't, there wasn't like major things where they're just little fisty cuffs and stuff, but like I was saying, I didn't really have trouble because around my area, a lot of people knew my father and my own, uh, and my family because I got quite a big family. Um, like my dad's one of like 20, 20 something. Um, and my mum's one of 14 or 15. So, one of 20? Yeah. Yeah. So there's... Um, there's 20? A, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them. My, grand, my grandfather, he's... Um, no TVs back in the day. No, 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 no. He's Maltese as well, so yeah, they're all the same, man. But um, yeah, so there was a there was a lot of us. So no, I never really had problems in that sort of sense, like that deep. Um, it was maybe like a little fisty cuffs and whatever, but yeah, not nothing major. Do you ever think about, or can you think about? It's always find this question very interesting to hear responses from, but. If you hadn't got into the boxing industry, yeah, yeah. what you possibly would be doing now? Yeah, uh, well, I probably would have carried on with the rugby and I was good enough to go somewhere. I would have, I, like, I still have coaches coming up to me and like, listen, you should have stuck with the rugby. You would have played for Wales, this, that, and the other. But listen, we don't know what be could become of it. But if I didn't do the boxing and I didn't play rugby, there's only one way I was, it was going to go. I was going to probably end up in jail, which most of my family did um, because they chose the wrong path. My dad done, and my mum, they done everything in there. They gave me everything growing up. They advised me in the right way. My dad used to bring people out of rugby players, ex-rugby players, people that are, have done certain things in, in life that have, how can I say, Positioned them in a in a, a spot above her, so um, he always brought them to me. Have a word with him, and there was a there was a guy. I'm not going to name his name. You won't know him, but um, if anyone from Wales will see this, they'll know him. And um, he was a very good rugby player, and he brought him to me, and he he was like he was like have a word with him. So he was telling me, and he said his problem was women. It's when I got he got to a level women and drink. And them two things, when you're trying to achieve greatness in your sport, they just don't mix. So um, he said, yeah, so that, that put me off straight away. Then when I started gambling, he brought someone that gambled to me and he explained to me, he said, I should have been a millionaire. He said, but I'm on my ass, I got fuck all. So I was like, yeah, I better nip that in the bud then. Then he, um, and another one as well, there's a, a, a very good footballer from my area called Leon Jan, and he was playing for Arsenal at the time. Well, 
not at the time, but as growing up. And um, he was on big money a week and he was drinking, whatever. And he said to me the one day, he went, see, Joe, he said, and, and, and this is what he, he was telling me, he said, I chose to, to go down a road that everyone else in our area does, which is either selling drugs or fucking um, just a life of crime anyway, just doing a little petty shit, maybe robbing someone or doing whatever. He says, but he went to jail. He came out, he said, if I had the father you got, he said, I would have been the best football player to ever play for Wales. And I would have I would have carried on playing for Arsenal. I would have done everything I, and I, I would have been a multi-millionaire. So he said, if I had your father and your parents. So when he said that, and I was like, fucking hell, fair play. And I was like, okay. So then when all these things start sinking in and you think about things, I was like, okay. So then after the Olympics, I thought, fuck this. I can't, I've got to stop drinking, which I was only drinking for two years anyway. I wasn't a bad drinker, but I'd go out every weekend near enough and um, drink. And then... Was this before the Olympics? After. After the yeah, Olympics? Yeah, so I started drinking before the Olympics with uh, after the Commonwealth Games, so for two years. Right. And then after the Olympics, I was like, fuck this. I got maybe seven, eight years to try and achieve something in the sport. I got to maximise my chances. So And that's what I did, and I haven't touched a drink since. Just remind me, what was the gap between the Olympics and you actually turning pro? So, um, I, obviously, I came back from the Olympics September, and then I I had my first fight April twenty second. So about eight months. Yeah. So all the way through that period. Yeah. You were drinking, yeah. Yeah. So well, t till December, December, and then I didn't drink. Wow. It was the, so even the, my birthday. Even after you turned my birthday pro, was first yeah. of December. We went meet myself. Fraser Clark, Kez Ashfak and Galayafoy, they come down for my birthday, which they, they always used to come down every night nights out with me. And um, on the third, then after that, I didn't drink. So it was, um, yeah, I, I just had to maximise my chances. And I've, I've done that now. How heavy was the drinking in that period? I, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, as if I'd go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday and be drinking. But when I drunk, I was, I didn't know a limit. I didn't know a limit. I'd just drink and drink and just, you get to a point where you're having a, like you start feeling a bit tipsy and then you, you don't, because I don't like the taste of alcohol. But when you get that tipsy feeling, you don't mind the taste of alcohol. I could drink a Sambuca and it's, it's like it's water. So I'm drinking Sambuca, champagne. And then the one day, and this is a reason, the really reason why I stopped. The one day, that, that day, I've left the club. They're all still there. Um, Galal, Fraser and all that. And they were with my cousins. So I've left the club. And as I've left the club, um, I've got to the cash point. I had money on me anyway, but I've gone to the cash point. Drew another 300 quid out. Jumped in a taxi. I must have gone straight like it was like a long down the long road so and then we come come on to um by the cardiff castle right, yeah. i was at the lights and i was going oh stop the car stop the car I'm gonna be sick he's like get out get out get out so I, I cursed him jumped out and then from that moment i can't remember getting home and my house where i was living at the time is about a good 20 minutes half hour from there and i can't remember i didn't have a penny on me so from that day i was like fucking hell what's going on what happened 
so yeah it, that was that was sort of like the thingy but it, i wasn't i wasn't a bad drinker where i was an alcoholic or anything but I, when i drunk i drunk yeah i've heard a few people say this uh, something you said about which i think is quite important to kind of people who drink um whether it's excessively or not mm. is they don't like the taste of alcohol yeah. so the purpose of them drinking is yeah. to kind of to get to that level of like being yeah. intoxicated or tipsy or whatever you want yeah. to call it but yeah i've heard people say they don't actually like yeah. the taste of alcohol it's not about that it's about yeah. where it kind of takes you yeah of course I, listen i love the feeling of being drunk well not so much drunk because sometimes you're a mess you just absolutely talk shit one you can't hardly stand up when you're when you're bollocks man. um when you're tipsy it's okay you, you're you're bubbly but then there's a there's that fine line it can it? quickly go the it other can way go, yeah, it can go left so it's that fine line of being tipsy and then bollocks so um if i could if i could I, I i'd probably be able to do it now because i got a lot of um how can i say um i could stop myself doing anything yeah with a split second so more self-control self-control that's the word i was looking for so um i'd be able to get to a certain point and stop but then back then i couldn't i was just drinking drinking and because i'm out and i wasn't coming into like seven in the morning my missus going mad chucking shit at me um me and my mate and i'd always bring my, try and bring my mate back with me so we, she didn't start but she, in the end she just got pissed off of it but um yeah it was it was quite a yeah it was some good times i had some good times out Joe, talk to me about a point in your life, not specific to boxing, mm. um, but where you felt as though you were fighting a losing battle in your life. Um, I mean, some of that stuff, what you're talking yeah. about, seems to relate to that. Yeah, so uh, there was a time, I don't know if my man would be happy with me saying it, but my dad, he, when he went to, he went to jail, um, it was when I... When was it? It was yeah. It was probably two thousand and two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And um, when he went to jail, obviously it's just me, and my mum, in the house. But then like my dad would like kept us, so like there was no one bringing money in or whatever. And then, obviously in my head, I'm thinking I, I gotta I gotta try and earn money because my dad ain't around no more. But then I was I started boxing and I was tr I'd just come back from the GBs, I just beat um, I just won the GBs at the time, it was two thousand eight or two thousand nine I think in two thousand nine it was, I just beat Josh Taylor in the final so I, I would I, I, Josh Taylor was unbelievable, especially as an amateur as well so and we started around about the same time and we was um, yeah so when it was that when he went went to jail I was like you know do I do this or do I carry on what I'm doing so I, I just wasn't sure where I was mm. and I, like when I was going on runs and I'm, there's all mad stuff going through my head and I'm questioning do I really want to box anymore I was only boxing for two years anyway do I want to box anymore and then I, I went on a visit and I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing my old man like my old man in there um, so I was like okay no problem, and then I thought, right, I gotta do this, do something now, because he wouldn't want me to go that that way. He'd want me to carry on doing what I'm doing. So I just knuckled down, and then I, I think, but it was at a point. There was like a couple of weeks of where I was like, 
mm, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then I thought, I had, a li- I, had a, I had a little sniff of that, and I thought, nah. And then I was carrying on boxing, but I just it just didn't feel right. Mm. It just didn't feel it didn't feel nice when I was training and going there. My head was all over the shop, and I, yeah, I just thought this is this is gonna go pear shaped. How did that end? I got I, well, my my gym closed down as well, so that was a bad a bad patch. So I was training myself, and then I got myself onto Team GB, um, trained myself. Um, I used to sneak in David Lloyd's in the morning, then sneak in another gym in the afternoon. Um, yeah, and then got myself onto Team GB, and then a few months later, my mind come up. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What what are the everyday battles for you today, away from boxing? What are they? Do you have them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh... I know it's not going to be specifically yeah. away from boxing and such, no. because boxing is your is your life. But what are the everyday battles for Joe Caldino? My mind. I'm quite mentally strong, but at the same time, I have I do have these like thoughts and stuff that float around in my head, and I've got to keep battling them. But like I said, I'm mentally strong, so I can get I can get through it. And I've had I've had these for for years and years. Like not many people know because I don't I don't open up to many people. Um, but like, like I was saying to, to my my mum and my, my wife a couple of weeks back, they're coming and they're always on about boxing to me. I said, I said, you know what? I said, it's starting to fuck me off. I said, no one ever, ever comes to me and asks me how I am. Never, or rings me. There's always an agenda for someone ringing me. Oh, can you do this? Can you do this for me? Can you do that? Can you do this? And I, I, never, I never really ask anyone for anything. But when I'm... when. When they ask me now, it's constant about boxing, and now I could have had a bad day. Like, for instance, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be making a, un- trying to make a unification. It's not happening. So my mind's thinking, of what's going on? Like, I'm thinking of all the other stuff that's like, going on behind the scenes. Then they're going, yeah, when are you fighting next? I'm gonna, trying to have the luck to joke. I can't wait for your next fight. And I'm thinking, shut the fuck up. Like, and I gotta try and explain. But then, I see someone ten minutes later and then explaining. So, my mind is going constant and all I'm saying to myself is fucking just just try and keep it down like but it is it is hard but also outside of boxing is my kids I miss my kids fucking mm. dearly like my boy's birthday was on Monday they left early I was in the morning so I've missed another one of my kids birthdays I probably I think I've missed all of their second birthdays so 
I missed a lot of their birthdays. But um, yeah, it's my kids really. Do you know what? It's such an interesting thing you said because I had a conversation just a couple of weeks ago mm. with someone. And if you say you got, say, seven people rung you in a day, for mm. example. Mm. And when you really look at the seven people that rung you and you think to yourself, how many of them have actually just rung you and just gone, all right, what are you up yeah. to? Yeah. You good? Everything all right? Mm. What do you want? Nothing. Just seeing you yeah. right. Like, how often in a day or a week does that actually happen? Because for myself, I've probably got about two or three people that do that yeah. on like weekly. Like, I'll just they'll just ring me just for nothing. Yeah. And they won't ring me for to ask me anything yeah. specifically. They just ring me just like yeah. basically there's, just to talk. Bullets. There's not many. There's not no. many. Um, and there's there's one. Um, there's, there's about two or three. And one I grew up with, he's, he's fucking nuts. Uh, but he, he's like, yo, what's happening? All right, bruh? Everything okay? And if he sees me post something online, he's like, yo, everything cool? You okay? I said, yeah, no problem. So, but then I got a, a Scottish mate. When I'm in camp, he'll ring me every night. Everything okay? You okay, what have you done today? Okay, how was it? And then we, we speak about golf. Yeah. I never should. But and and at the start when I said about I don't like speaking about boxing, and he was like, he he won't mention boxing around me. But then I got another uh, mate as well. He'll ring me and just say, um, "Yo, what are you doing? Fancy coming in this place? Fancy coming our place?" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." But but now my mum's starting to go, oh, "I love, how are you, love?" I said, "Don't fucking take the piss, don't take the piss." But now nah, she's they 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 don't really mention boxing around me now for the last few weeks. So. Um, yeah, because it, it was getting on top of me because the stuff that I was putting out on Twitter, like, not, I wasn't directing it at any specific person or mm. anyone or whatever, but they could see my frustration. But all they would ask me about what's happening, what's going on, what's going on. And in the end, I went, listen, do not fucking speak to me about boxing. I said, because you're asking me the same thing. You've just, you've just come, you're asking me the same thing. And then if we'd have meals around the house, I say to my missus, I said, whoever's coming, I said, tell them before they come, do not ask me about boxing. I said, make sure. I said, otherwise I'll go, just go upstairs and sit in my room. And then it's, no one asked me about boxing or not. Do, do you know what's mad? Like, when I'm out, like, I get people obviously mm. come up. But listen, it's not, they're asking me about, like, is so-and-so going to fight so-and-so, yeah. who's he next fighting, things like that. So obviously people mm. are going to do that to me, like being involved yeah. in the sport that way. But when it's about you, mm. and it's like sometimes cool. you might you know, know what's going on. Do you know the thing is, do you know I expect it from people that don't know me and are strangers, and I don't mind speaking to them about and explaining certain things. But it's do you know the people closest to you. Like if there's something that I need to say to you, and tell you about when I'm fighting next, I will tell you. Or you will see it on online. Why are the closest people to me asking me constantly and grilling me about boxing on a daily basis? That's what I don't get. And that's, that's, why, that's why I used to get pissed off with them. It's, it's the closest people to me. And yeah, it, it, in the end, now they don't do it. Like, he, like even my dad, my dad, he'll ring my mate. Have you mentioned? He won't mention it to me. Have you, have you, have you, have you mentioned anything to you? But I, I, I feel it's, it's different with boxing, but... I do feel like if you talk to someone about 
a field that they're not involved in, mm. then it's almost like you feel like you have to talk about... It's like getting in a cab and, mm. and going to the cabbie. Like, you know, you've been busy, been busy. tonight. <laughs> busy tonight. It's like you feel like busy you have boy. to have contribute to that person's profession. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bit different with boxing because it is so spoken about, yeah. but I can imagine it does when it's about you, mm. like, drive well, you Before, it, it wasn't so bad when you're doing your fours and your six-rounders. Yeah, I'm fighting in this place. I'm fighting that place. Want a ticket? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then now, it was fucking... I didn't realise it was as bad as what it was, trying to sort out a fight. It's just... It's not as easy as I thought. But... And then when you're, you're having the stress of trying to sort all these stuff, this stuff out, um, then... You've got people grilling you constantly about it. Yeah, it's like fucking hell, leave it out. <laughs> Would you call yourself um, an emotional person? Like, when's the last time you were fighting back in the tears? Do you cry? Do you? I, I probably haven't cried for about sixteen years. Really? I'm on my kids' life. Yeah. Nothing in, them, in that period has kind of made you no. that emotional. Why is that? Have you made yourself be like that, or? Yeah. I don't know. I've tried. I've tried to because I've I've been in. I've been sometimes where I've. I've I just, you just, I feel like I want to cry, but I just can't. And like, yeah, I've and I've sometimes I've got that lump in my throat, and I can feel a tear building, but it just won't. It I just can't do it. It I don't know. It's that that I can't answer. You spoke about. Um that period of your life when you were talking about the drinking but are you which I'm assuming is kind of all connected to demons possibly are you still fighting demons now would you say nah, no 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 and going to the drinking it wasn't a case of it was a problem it was like I didn't how can I say when you're on Team GB it's like a youth club so you're always around the boys you're always having the crack you're always having a joke and when I got and I didn't really go out. Like I didn't really have an 18th birthday. I didn't have a 21st. And then when I got to, after the Commonwealth Games, and you got a little bit of uh, clout about you, and you're on the BBC and whatever, and then you come in, you've, I've come back, and then people are congratulating you. Well done, Joe. And you're going on one night out with your mates. And then you're like, oh, I, like, I fucking like all this attention. And then you're going out the next week, and they're having the same, and then it's the same shit. But so that's what it was. It wasn't a case of... I want. I was hiding anything through the drink. It was just, I was going out. I liked the attention, but when I was out, I would just go mad with it. I wasn't holding back, mm. and I'd come in like a mess. So, Joe, you fight for your family in Wales and wherever else. Mm. And who fights for you? Like, who's in your corner? Um, who's there for you, regardless of what situation you're in? Who'd you turn to? My family. My family, if... If anything goes like goes in pear shape or whatever, I go to my family. But it it depends of what sort of thing it is. Do you understand? So like I got a lot of cousins that I'll go to for certain things. But if it's an emotional thing, I'll go to maybe my my mum or my dad or my wife. But yeah, it just depends what it is. But it's mainly my family, my family. Do you believe boxing to have um, contributed to any spates of depression for you in that time? Yeah. Yeah. That when I done my hand the twice, um, 
because the first time it was quite a bad one and I done my metacarpals, they took the bone from my hip and put it in my hand and whatever. So that was, yeah, that was that was quite bad because I was out for a while, I think over a year. So, um, yeah, I think it was about 15 months so I was out. So, yeah, it was that was quite depressing and you're not earning any dough. I was only on, what, how many fights was I in? Uh, I think it was like a seven or eight fights in. Probably less than that. So, yeah, this is... Um, yeah, it was quite. It was quite. I had mad thoughts. Put it that way. I had mad thoughts because I got, I had two kids I had to provide for, and then when I demand the second time, I've just won a world title, a lifetime of work, just gone right down the hill, and I'm left in the dark. I, I'm. I like I had a meeting the other day, ready, and I and I was explaining a couple of things, and I just said like I just didn't. I didn't have a a text or a phone call of anyone there so I was just explaining to her how I felt I didn't have a text or a phone call of anyone so I said I, w I just felt in the dark and and that was that which I, I did so um, yeah it was it was quite it was quite like a, I don't want to say depressed depressed because I don't like chucking that around because people are depressed out there um, but if I had to describe uh, a feeling that's what I would probably describe it as how did you cope with that? Uh, call of Duty. I was sat in my bedroom, didn't leave my bedroom for ages. I had a couple of my mates, uh, PG, Reiki, and we're just in there playing thing. And then I'd go, I'd maybe go for a bike ride now and again. Um, but yeah, but then when I done it a second time, yeah, that was that was quite tough. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do nothing. I didn't want to get off the sofa. I was mm. on the sofa for ages. Uh, I couldn't even even go for a run or go to the go to the gym and do n nothing. How common do you think depression is in boxing? I look at people like the situation even with Connor over the last ten months, mm. and you can't tell me that Connor hasn't gone through oh, severe bouts of yeah, yeah. depression. It's his whole world's come kind of been turned upside down. But how common do you think depression is in boxing? Oh no, no, no! It's it's, it's real. Put it that way. It's um. Yeah, it's no joke because you got to remember you're putting your life on the line. We are putting our life on the line because not only do you graft and put your body and take your body to the limits in training, and then sacrifice everything, then you're fighting and potentially. Um, risking your life to feed your family and sometimes things don't go the same the, the way you want it to go you don't expect like fight after fight you oh, this, this fight's next this money this fight's after that that money and they don't actually work out like that sometimes so sometimes this and you've seen it in the past with with um, fighters from back in the day where they where they come out and explain certain things of their situation and what happened like I know, um, uh, what's in Ricky Burns, for instance. Ricky Burns had a lot of problems, and he he was explaining to me uh, over the years of what happened, like not what happened, but his situation. So, for him to be a three weight world champion, um, and profile wise, not as big as the likes of your Conor Benz, and 
you do all what you've done in the sport not to get the the fruits of it. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely out there. But like uh, saying Connor, Connor have had some bad, bad, um, the, the, especially the last year. Also, it's been very bad, mm. and only now he's uh, in the last couple of weeks or maybe months, the months come out of um, come out of his shell. Mm. How old are you now? Thirty-two in December. Thirty-two. So, if you could go back in time hypothetically, yeah. and as you are now, thirty-two-year-old. Joe Cordina, you yeah. could give advice to a 21-year-old Joe Cordina, what would you say? A 21-year-old? Yeah, what would you say? Mm. Well, it's what I'd be, uh, what I say to all the other youngsters that are boxing at that age, because they, they want to turn pro, they want to do this, um, they, they want that sort of, that title of, as a professional fighter. I say, listen, stay as amateur as long as you can. Try and get to an Olympic Games, trying to get to a Commonwealth Games, win a major tournament, or try and get on Team GB. I said, because that gives you a head start. I've seen so many fighters that have haven't done nothing as an amateur or done loads of stuff as a, a schoolboy and a youth boxer and decided to turn pro at 18. And then they get hit with reality. It's not all what it's made up to be because there's no money in boxing unless you're, you've actually done something. Um, so, yeah, there's... Uh, it's yeah, it's quite um, it's quite a, I wouldn't say upsetting, but it's quite uh, difficult when I see youngsters that get fed all this bullshit to certain uh, by certain people, and then there's nothing at the end of it. So if I had to say something, is sacrifice. Yeah. Take that little that extra year or two, stay amateur, try and do something, and then and then uh, well, that's what I did. And a lot of the GB boys done that who's as successful now. Like your likes of Pat McCormack stayed on. Fraser Clark stayed on for a, lo- a long time. Galal Yafai. Um, loads. Load of them. Kyle Yafai stayed on again. And they become world champion. Um, load of them. So it's, it's proven that if you get on Team GB, you keep progressing, you keep building, you keep winning, you've got more of a chance to become a world champion than someone that is not as experienced as as, uh, as fighting top-level opposition yeah. week in or month in, month out, than someone that's just be- just become a uh, ABA schoolboy champion or a youth champion or just won the ABAs and turning pro. You're going to have a much better chance of doing something in the sport. Hmm. Okay, last one. I can answer this however you perceive the question. Um, what drives that fight within you? What is it? What are the factors that still drive Joe Cordina? That fight within you? There's a there's a couple um, a couple of things. There's one is not disappointing my mother and father. Um, that's one of my worst fears, is them being disappointed in me. So that's one. And like I said to you, when I'm fighting, if my mum and dad's watching, you're gonna have to nail me to the floor. Because whether you put me over, I'll get up. You're gonna have to put me a kip, sleep. So, um, yeah. So that's one. And also my kids, I want them to have what I had and more growing up. Um, I want them to live the best life. Although I don't want them to be spoiled, but I want them. I show them 
what's right from wrong and wrong from right and whatever. But yeah, the I wanna how can I say? When I when I used to when I used to watch like the footballers on the T V or the rugby players and I used to see them, my eyes used to light up. Not so much boxing as a kid because I didn't really watch much boxing as a yeah. kid. But when I used to see these, I used to light up. Now I'm mates with all the rugby players, I'm mates with all the footballers. So it's like, it's like when, when I used to see them and I used to see, I said, I want to be like them when I'm older. And like, have a nice car, um, have a nice house, have money in your bank, have money in your pocket. Be able to do whatever you want to do. That's that. That's all. Them three things is the the main thing for me. Like yesterday, I was Bugsy Malone. I seen Bugsy drive past. I was sat in Brentwood kitchen, so I messaged him. He was like, "I'm in Nando's." I'm Brentwood High Street, man. So I said, "I'll pass through." So I've gone. He sat there on his own. So I sat with him for about an hour. But we were having a chat, and just to see how he his mind works. And how he, he he knows where he's going. Like he was saying, I know where I'm going. And how deep he is and how he, his thought processes. And, and he said a few things to me yesterday. And I was like, fair play. Nah, that's, that's it. And I, it played on my mind when I came back. And I was like, okay. But to see how, like same again, with where he's come from. Even though we're, we're, we're on the same journey, he's there. He's at the top of his game. I'm at the top of my game, but I still want. I still got a few things to do. You want to be like these people, do you understand? You want to be like him. You want to be like the the footballers who used to watch, the rugby players who used to watch. So, yeah, these them them three things. Not disappointing my mother and father, my kids, and trying to be like the people I used to look up to. Yeah. So, yeah, that's they're the three the three things I'd say. Who is it that blanked you for a photograph? Uh, there's. Three is it a football of them. Like? Yeah, three of them. There was, there was, Iniesta, um, Modric, and he was with Kovacic, is it? The Chelsea player. Yeah. So, but Kovacic wanted to. You could see he wanted to give me one, but where Modric just was like, "Oh nah, later." I was like, "Where the? How my fuck am I gonna see you later, mate?" <laughs> You're walking around the fucking mall, in the World Cup. It's packed, mind. Later. Yeah, later. Yeah, I'll come to your hotel. I'll come to your room. Is it? Tell me what room you are. Silly fucker. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, they're fuckers. Aren't they? I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Okay, Joe Caldino. Listen, much appreciate it. Genuinely, I know I've interviewed you obviously for mm. quite some time now, but we've never spoke like this, and I've never mm. heard a lot of this stuff before. Mm. So I do appreciate you right, uh, talking about some of this stuff, and uh, it's weird because like. A lot of our interviews are all pretty much the same. It's like yeah, yeah. about fights and the upcoming things and like post-fight, etc. So it's good to get this chat. Uh, just when you see me next, don't ask me about boxing. I won't. Just ask, no, me, I'm how, just ask me how I am. Do you know what? When I interview you next, yeah. like just for <laughs> IFL, I'm not even going to ask you about that. I'm just going to go, all right, mate. <laughs> um, Joe, thank you very much. No worries, my man. Guys, thank you for listening uh, and watching or both. We will see... See you next week. Make sure you comment, like, and subscribe. We're out. Sports Social Podcast Network.